I speak to you in the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You know, in hearing all of that today, I think I want to reflect on one particular concept. Today I want to reflect on the concept that our thoughts lead to our actions. It's something that we have to be aware of and that its repercussions can have lasting effects. Now, our behaviors could mostly be traced to our thoughts, sometimes spurned on by our motivations, our needs, our wants, or even our desires. I'm sure at some point some of you may have heard something like, don't go shopping while you're hungry, or never go to bed angry. So look, I don't know what to tell you what happened to me over the years. And maybe what I'm going to say is going to be a good example of something that helped to foster that change. But as a child, I was, uh, how should I say it? somewhat spirited. You couldn't get me to sit down. I was always all over the place. I always leapt before I looked. I remember being part of a trip to a water park with some friends. And of course, me being me, I wanted to impress an older girl who was part of the group. She was with her friends and decided to get on the tallest ride at the park. Excuse me, the tallest and most dangerous ride at the park. It was a vertical drop, incredibly steep. To ride, a person had to lie down all the way through instead of sitting in order to reach the bottom safely. I get to the top. I was instructed to lay on my back and cross my arms. Already, this doesn't look like a good position. And then I'm told to have fun. Okay. So I feel myself moving forward. Then it happens. As I make my way over the top and as I am descending, I could no longer feel the slide against my back. So I start to panic. I lean forward a little bit just enough to alter my trajectory on the way down. Luckily, at the speed that I was going, I already hit the bottom, but not before basically crashing into both sides of the slide with my body. And when I came out of the pool with what seemed to be my swim trunks tucked into myself and other places, I learned a hard lesson that day. I don't have negative, anything negative to say about anyone who tries something new or, or is brave, but that was not it. At the time, thinking of trying to be cool resulted in my actions that forced me to learn a hard lesson. And by the grace of God, I'm still here. However, I want to offer to you another reason of why I am here before you today. 
I'm here because of the thoughts and the actions of another person. Absalom Jones. Tomorrow, February the 13th, marks the feast day in the church where we celebrate Absalom Jones. Absalom is the first black priest in the Episcopal Church. I know that me, other priests, deacons, and even bishops in this church are eternally grateful for him and his opportunity. It seemed that for most of his life, he always thought about lifting up others so much that his impact continues to lift up generations far beyond the time that we will be here. Absalom was born as a slave in Delaware. He was always a bright young boy. At the age of 16, his family was separated and sold. And he ended up traveling with uh, his uh, master down to Philadelphia, where his owner would eventually become a proprietor of a shop, and Absalom continued to work for him. He taught himself how to read. Whatever little monies that he earned, he always saved up and bought books and taught himself how to read. When he was afforded the opportunity and whenever he had the permission, he would also take night classes whenever he could to help further his education. At the age of 20, he married a slave woman and with the help of his future father-in-law, other monies that he earned and all kinds of loans, he actually bought her freedom. Now, notice he himself was not free at this time. And he did try. He tried to buy his own freedom, but his master wouldn't let him do that. They eventually worked out a deal, a manumission, uh, which provides a legal precedence for his freedom contingent upon the fact that he would continue to work for him. Jones and his wife would start to worship at a different church, St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church, where he met Richard Allen. The two men found an instant kinship, and they had several things in common. They were both able to create the Free African Society, something of a nonprofit that was created to help provide assistance to black people in distress. At church, they both served as lay ministers and also increased the black population that was there. Of course, with a growing black population, not all were too happy about that. In an effort to segregate the black population one Sunday, the church forced all of the black parishioners to gather in the balcony. Now this isn't like our balcony. It was a tactic to keep them out of the way and far beyond in places that people usually would not be welcome to be. This act of disrespect displeased many black people there and even some walked out. As fate would have it, the work that Absalom and Richard did with the Free African Society was catching steam. They worked with 
similar groups in other cities building numbers and momentum, the society itself started to initiate worship services. Later, they would establish what would be called the African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas in Philadelphia. A church that to this day still stands and continues to be a beacon for many. The membership at that time the church was created would take a denominational vote. They decided to remain Episcopal. At this time, Jones's friend Richard Allen had a different vision and he took a small group and started their own church because they preferred to stay in the Methodist style and to be affiliated with the Methodist church. He would later go on to create what we know as the AME church or the African Methodist Episcopal church. This was not a spike in their relationship. They would continue to work as a team to provide for many black people despite belonging to different churches. Absalom was asked to provide pastoral leadership and prayer that would later develop into him answering the call and becoming ordained. He was ordained a deacon and then a priest. To put some historical perspective behind this, if we look at the Roman Catholic Church, their first black priest was ordained 50 years later. Our texts continue to underscore the relationship between thoughts and actions, even if they don't sound like it. Deuteronomy shows us that the recipients of the commandments were receiving a choice. They were receiving the option to choose between life and prosperity versus death and adversity. Life and prosperity in this particular context meant living for and with God. Moses further explains that the grass is not always greener on the other side and that a life without God is paved with loss and even greater pain. Now, it seems obvious. You would think that the people would actually choose life and prosperity. But the further we move through the Old Testament, we see various examples where these ancient Israelites continue to live for themselves and not for God. And we saw the problems that that created. However, God is still faithful and did not abandon them. And one of the most prolific ways that God did not ab abandon God's people was by sending Jesus Christ. Our gospel shows us Jesus reinterpreting the law for a different time and a different generation. He says, as it was said of ancient times, but I say this. I understand this particular piece of text uh, may be uncomfortable at first when we see, but Jesus is talking about various thoughts 
that influence behaviors. And once we are able to understand that, we have greater clarity of where he's going. Jesus addresses anger, adultery, divorce, and oath-taking. In the time of the Ten Commandments, anger was probably the most influential, and maybe even till this day, factor of murder. And of course, not just murder, but the disruption of life and peace. And during that time where the law was provided to the people, there was something of a prohibition on anger. But Jesus shows us, well, that's not possible. Anger is every bit of a human emotion, just like joy is. And Jesus wants them to transform anger, to think differently. And they could transform that anger and to look to start rebuilding relationships and to do so through reconciliation. Regarding adultery, Jesus wants them to think not just about the action, but the intent. He then suggests that they figuratively, again, figuratively, remove whatever temptation, whatever obstacle that they may have that may eventually cause them to sin or to commit any immoral acts. In divorce, Jesus doesn't say not to, but reminds them to think of what the divine implications of marriage should be. And similar to adultery, Jesus takes divorce and shows us that men actually have a responsibility in areas where women were traditionally blamed. In keeping oaths, Jesus wants people to think about living in truth and living in truthfulness. Because when one doesn't, it creates conflict with the oaths that were sworn, a series of competing goods. As God's people, we continue to do our best to allow our thoughts to influence our actions. It may be simple, but for most of us, our efforts to seek life and prosperity are not always reflected by what we have wrought. Now, sure, it may be, it may be dumb luck that I'm actually here right now, but I can credit who I am, my role, and my voice to Absalom Jones. And it's not just clergy. For many black children of that day, they weren't allowed to attend schools. But you know what? Churches made schools. Another providence that Absalom affected. Schools like the one created at the first Episcopal African Church of St. Thomas of Philadelphia and others like it educated countless children in an area and in times that wasn't originally afforded to them. Absalom chose life and prosperity. He lived a life for others and did so not only with God, 
but for God. He understood how Jesus interpreted the law and would later become a disciple of the word. And it's by God's grace that we are all here. And even though God will continue to be with us every step of the way, I challenge us to go forward and to place Absalom Jones not only in our Episcopal histories, but in our our black histories. And not only our black histories, but our American histories. And that we may be aware of our thoughts and our actions and what they could lead to. We all hold the power to create a chain that links us together, but not in bondage, but to help inspire those in how they think and the things that they do. Amen.